In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. This is Blonde on Blonde. Hey, guys, you know, this is interesting, actually. I thought this would be a good intro. I actually have a recording of Bob Dylan when he did the, he went into the studio for this album. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, let's just move this along. Yeah, well, that's not very enthusiastic, but I'm going to do it anyways. Just move uh, this along. No. Hey, no, this is important. Hey, Bob, good to see you. I'm the sound engineer on this new album. Hey, I've got a great idea. Uh, yes, Bob, what's your idea? Uh, I want my brother-in-law, Rupert, to be on the album. Uh, that's okay, Bob, what does he do? He plays the harmonica. Uh, is he any good? <laughs> Not at all, but he can play it for a super long time. <laughs> Hit it, Rupert. <laughs> I love it. Rupert, play that harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, listen to that. I like it. So at this point, you guys would step in and also make jokes and help me out at some point if you're a true friend. <laughs> it's an awfully long harmonica song. I think this would have gone way better if I would have just purchased that harmonica and blared it into the microphone right now. There is not. Uh, there's only about four minutes left of this. So. Oh, yeah. This is perfectly true. I was this hoping is- this would be where you guys riff and we do fun, <laughs> funny things. It's not working out. want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. I decide whether to turn off this harmonica or not. <laughs> but you're just too busy to look it up, Mom. Want to hear four guys are talking, then they get off track? Well, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. <laughs> Take a breath, Rob. Take All a breath. right. Whew. Whew. Here we go. <laughs> Man, you were wailing on that harp there. I was, uh, yeah, I was, that was uh, Rupert, and a lot of people don't know he played harmonica on most of these songs. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. It's like Bob Dylan said, I want you to meet my co-host. Let's say hi to everybody. Uh, we've got Matt in Minneapolis. Matt, how are you doing? Doing well, Rob. Doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, well, no problem. I would feel really bad if you weren't here, actually. Russ, how are you? Russ in Minnesota, how are you doing, Russ? As Bob Dylan once said, Rob, I'm just sitting here beating on my trumpet. <laughs> It seems like so inefficient. There's so many other things. Bob Dylan said it. I didn't say it. I just repeated what he said. I think he might have been in some sort of like bike accident because that anatomy seems messed up. It seems like it shouldn't get like, shouldn't go out like a trumpet. trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get caught playing with your instrument and band, Aaron? Yeah. Oh, plenty of times. Often got caught playing with my trombone though. Yeah. So a lot of boner jokes there. If you want to guess, if you want to take <laughs> take this in the wrong direction right away. Uh, no, actually, I'm up here on the high road. So I'm not making those jokes. Okay. You guys disgust me. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Aaron. How are you doing? Aaron in, in SoCal. Uh, no, not SoCal. In, just regular Cal. In the Bay Area. In the Bay Area. I'm good. Uh, clean air today. Went outside, rode a bike in the sunshine. It was nice. Wow, that is uh, much different than what I did, which was pretty much absolutely nothing today. Uh, <laughs> so I want to sh- get to you real quick. We do have a voicemail, so I want to play that for you very quick. And this might this might blow your mind. Hi, this is Sarah from Minnesota. First time listener, long time caller. Um, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Had to pull a little bit of a Krista and call in because I feel like when you guys were talking about jazz flautists, you pretty much missed the mark. 
I am feeling like if you're talking straight up sex appeal, then Herbie Mann, two ends, um, is clearly an obvious choice for being the best of all time. But if we're talking jazz flautist free, <laughs> um, I feel like you missed the mark. And Jim Horn is being put in Herbie's shadow, and I do not agree. Um, I did my own little background research. Oh, I am wow. not Aaron's brother, um, but looked things up and found that in no particular order, um, well, actually, <laughs> I guess it is alphabetical order, um, simply because I took it right from the Wikipedia. It sounds nervous. Um, Jim Horn has played with artists such as, you ready for this? Aaron Neville, Barbara Streisand, The Beach Boys, Billy Joel, Elton John, Elvis, Frank Sinatra, Garth Brooks, George Harrison, Herbie Hancock, Ice and Never Tina heard of Turner, any of these guys. John Denver, Joni Mitchell, Kenny Chesney, Lionel Richie, Little Richard, the oh, This is enough of Wikipedia page or Michael anything. Jackson, no. Paul McCartney, Ringo this is just Star, natural Roy jazz flautist knowledge. Dan, Stevie Wonder, The Righteous Brothers, The Rolling Stones, Tom Petty, The Traveling Wilburys, and the list goes on and on and on. Oh, sure. It on does. Wikipedia. So, like I said, I feel like Herbie Mann, two N's, was getting all the credit. But really, Jim Horn, one N, um, is the man and the legend that we are talking about here. So, before making radical claims, you guys might need to up your game and do your own little Beck research. Um, but I do love the show. You guys make me laugh. And uh, keep it up. Have a good one. Uh, so once again, we are being criticized over the voicemail, which is not the purpose of the backline. I want to remind everybody again, <laughs> to the praise. purpose of the backline is not to call in and tell me what I've done wrong in my life. <laughs> I don't understand. I've got a lot of outlets for that, but she is talking about who is she talking about? Jim Mann. I think Joe Horn. Jim Horn. Joe Horn. Jim oh Horn? my God. Okay. Jim. So this, like I said before, I'm not great at listening and paying attention <laughs> and realizing what's going on. That's my bad. Jim I Horn. I didn't know the former Saints receiver picked up the jazz flutist <laughs> when he was down playing in New Orleans for all those years. Like I thought he was well, just catching footballs. It turns out he's like an amazing jazz flautist. I think I you're thinking of Rick, Rick Mahorn. Personally oh, yeah. attacked. I feel like this is on me. Like I, I feel like I really wanted to talk about the jazz flute on the Marvin Gaye episode and I completely missed the boat. I picked the wrong. Well, that's why we're here today. Flutist. Rosie, we're actually not recording anything. We are having a bit of an intervention with you. So we have noticed recently that a lot of your picks have been mainstream and not weird as hell. And we are concerned about you. Okay? I had a bad case of the flautus a few weeks ago and had to go to the ER for it. It wasn't good. That's from too much playing your trumpet. Uh, so here's the deal is that I did look up Jim Horn, right? Ironically named flute player. Think about it. Oh. Fucking blow your mind. See what I did It's like there? Frank Beard and ZZ Top not having a beard. It's mind-blowing. This is my new favorite bit. Rob tried to tell jokes, and we just stare at him. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to restart this. Last time we had one like this, it went on for like two hours. And so, there were no laughs. We might we, need to restart it. <laughs> In 2020. Those are the ones I tell you that I didn't actually record. I'm like, hmm, I wasn't funny enough. Okay, delete the recording. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We got to do it again. <laughs> this time I'm coming in with my pre-written bits. So Jim Horn did play... A great song with, and this is going to, this might remind you of the 90s a little bit. Think about how 90s this is. Jim Rome? This is Jim Horn and Amy Grant. Oh, Amy Grant, that's my shit. See if you can recognize this song. I'm going to hear the jazz flutist. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Jim Horn just dunked on you, dude. Hard. Dang. 
posterized. Okay, I'm gonna jump to no, the no, end. No, no, no. Well, this is. Oh, we gotta stick with this oh, for yeah. a second. This okay, is, well here. This is canned heat. You gotta hear Amy Grant come in. This is so '90s. It's crazy. I mean, have you ever heard a more '90s song ever this in your is life? Where should I've ever heard? <laughs> he he would have. Joe Horn would have never been able to play this with his regular flute. He had that jazz flute yeah. out with Amy Grant, and he crushed it. He had a specially made flute just for this Amy Grant concert. So here's him at the end, really breaking it down. Okay, so I do have to say, guys, it seems like maybe we did make a terrible mistake when we're no. talking about Herbie Mann so much. I can't imagine Herbie Mann's going to come up later in this episode, but... No chance he'll come up again. I do think no we way. have to give it up. <laughs> I do think we have to give it up for Jim Horn, who obviously is a master of a jazz flute. And give it up no. to our listeners for being so knowledgeable and keeping us honest, keeping us on our toes. He played on the Monday Night Football theme with Hank Williams Jr. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. Man, that dude must just be caking, man. That put it over the edge. There is no flute in the Monday Night Football theme. Well, it says he was a saxophone guy, too. So That's, this is what I said. Many of them were multi-instrumentalists. Do you guys remember the greatest Monday Night Football song ever was when we were kids and Bernie Kosar came back from an injury and instead of playing the song, they played Bernie's back and you're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> no, nothing. Some, sometimes nothing I think I remember really weird stuff and then, and then I talk with Russell and I remember I'm not the only one who's like this and I feel much better. As Bob Dylan once said, sometimes I think my deck of cards is missing a jack and the ace. <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of, after listening to this album, a lot of what Bob Dylan says, I would not take as a true philosophy because I think a lot of it is just words that he came up with. It was like, shum dum dum beetle dum beetle bum beetle dum beetle jump down my face. Think about the future. And you're like, wait, what? Where did that even come from? I'm getting ahead of myself, though. We need to apologize. The official yeah, Beck apology. And now an apology from Beck did it better. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Beck does it better podcast. Coming in hot with that apology. Bring the heat. Bring the heat. And again, I do feel bad when I have to play that for a woman who called in and tried to be nice to us to support our show. They were like, fuck. So I feel terrible. Education. Terribly sorry, Sarah. That's uh, that's my bad, and uh, uh, Aaron made me do it. All right, so moving on. Played on a- he played on Africa by Toto. This I'm telling you, Jim Horn. Guy is amazing. This is the next great bit. Every thirty seconds, Matt just laces us with another track. Oh, hold on, Jim Horn. It, you've lost that love and feeling by but, the righteous. But is is the flute on? You've lost that love and feeling. The jazz oh, flute, or is sax. it just the he flute? Sax. He played the baritone on uh, what was it? I Guys, I think I think we've established that going up country candy is not even jazz flute, right? That's not even jazz flute to begin with. Baritone That's the example flute. we always use. Well, no, it's, is, it's a style of is, flute. It's the notes. Flute? It's the notes they don't play, Russell. Hmm. Did we did we establish <laughs> if the flute is just played in the style of jazz, or if there's an actual separate jazz flute? That's Guys. what Aaron claimed, but Aaron didn't know about Joe Horn, the the, the Saints yeah. playing. Jazz yeah, I mean, player well, either, I'm sure so. that so I'm sure that any advanced what instrumentalist <laughs> has a a particular instrument they like for a particular style. I don't think that the jazz flute is made separately at a separate jazz flute factory, but I imagine there are different qualities for a jazz flute uh, that like you know I'm sure, I'm sure Herbie had a whole quiver of flutes where he'd like pull them out of his back, you know, and like you know whatever song he was on. But I I, I don't I don't think they've got a whole separate fact. Played on good vibrations for pet sounds. He was in the wrecking crew. He was a member of the wrecking. That, that is awesome. 
And here he is with a solo right here. He was a multi instrumentalist, so he had a lot of different sounds. I like that that sound gets a laugh from you guys. That sound will always get a laugh. I could play this at my funeral. I'd be like, Rob died eating a hamburger. It was very sad, but he died doing what he loved. Let's all give a moment of silence. Everybody be like, man, that Robbie is great. All right. Uh, so let's do this. Let's do a little rolling going. It's, 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 it's time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for rolling going. Oh, yeah. I swear, if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and stop myself from saying, oh, yeah, for so long. That's the one use I would use it for. It's too bad you can't change it. I mean, I, I could, no, it's impossible. It's out there now. Okay, so don't that now I feel like you're criticizing me twice over that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's going on in our exciting lives and definitely not totally boring stuff going on. Uh, let's start. Russell, how rolling going? How's it going with you? Starting with me. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, no. What do you do? Okay, Matt, how rolling going? No, I'm terrified of Russell. Russell has bullied me on my podcast. That look, that look can kill. All right, uh, Matt, rolling going. How's it going? It's going great. I think, you know, for so long, we're, we're getting into the football season, right? And I thoroughly enjoy watching football. And I think it's because of, of fantasy football. But I think after like 20 years of doing it, it just might be time to take a couple of years off. Because every single year, I think I do so well in my draft. Yep. And then I just get hammered week one by somebody. And it's just like, it just throws me into a thing. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm debating whether fantasy football should be in my life anymore or not. But then I'll win next week and I'll be all back on the, on the, on the bandwagon. But I don't know. That's, that's my focus right now is uh, making sure I'm just managing my teams. Every and, uh, year I want to quit fantasy football and then the draft sneaks up on me and I end up in the league and then I de facto quit by starting guys who aren't even playing in the first week. I hate it so like, much and I, I just yeah. I, somehow I can't get out of it. Aaron, I was going to say your quitting has been official to the other 11 members of our league for a long time now. I, we appreciate yeah. that you still have a, a username and whatnot, but, but your resignation was official four terms ago. I am just the worst at it. I did win the league once, but I'm horrible. No. I don't even. I can't even name like five players. I like the idea that your fantasy football sneaks up on you like an internet subscription that's yearly, and you're like, okay, I don't need these menus anymore. I'm not cooking this food. I'm going to cancel the subscription. And then it's like you paid 100, $119 for your subscription. You're like, dang it, I missed it again. And then you're like, I'm definitely going to cancel it this year. That's for sure. funny. I have I have some food from HelloFresh coming to my house tomorrow because I forgot to cancel my subscription for HelloFresh. <laughs> Isn't that the real true first word problem? You're like, I can't believe it's somebody sending fresh, delicious food to my house. God yep. damn it. <laughs> Why can't I get my life under control? Like that's when my life is spiraling out of control when I've ordered too much fresh food to be hey, delivered sweet, to my house. Mushroom quesadillas again. I hope you like that. <laughs> You know what I've done though, Rosie? Let's hear I've it. I've started just a a uh, an Excel doc that you just you put all this stuff in, you know, the stuff that you don't want anymore, you don't want in your life, and then eventually one day you get real pissed off and you just hack it all out of your life. Like it might be eight months from now, but and then you've got a quick list that you've got all of these things and you could just start checking them off, the, just getting rid of them. Your friendship one, with Russ isn't on that list, is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. That's priceless. No, he chopped that off a long time ago. That's how he got the Dove Soap out of here. Yeah. Like, Dove Soap, all caps. Yeah. I had like four magazines a couple of years ago. Four and then, you know, Some of these subscriptions and stuff. And it's like, 
If you just put them all on there, just yeah. get rid of them all at the same time. It's way better feel. to imagine like four literal magazines just sitting around his house. Like, Oh, the 1994 Street and Smith's College Basketball edition, like the, you know, Sports Illustrated from when the Twins won won the wild card or something. Aaron, (laughs) I I would assume, Aaron, you still have numerous magazine subscriptions. Am I right? I do not have any magazine subscriptions because uh, I don't want to use the paper. So no, no paper magazine (laughs) subscriptions. So I'm sorry to disappoint. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said no paper magazine. I have numerous online newsletter subscriptions. Uh, Tom Ziller's Good Morning, It's Basketball. Uh, I think I subscribe to numerous. There's like a major baseball one I subscribe to that I keep meaning to cancel. Uh, (laughs) uh, Pavel, the kettlebell guy, I subscribe to his newsletter. You know, I got a few. Hey, this Pavel. This Pavel kettleball guy, read email. Stop reading email. Go to kettleball. <laughs> right, yeah. Turkish get ups. One hundred oh, Turkish get ups each side. Rosie, I know you're reading email, not doing kettleball. You lazy son of a bitch. I know. I'm In my country, to... you never survive without doing one hundred swings every morning. I'm trying to figure out how to do a one handed push up, but I spend too much time reading newsletters, so I'm not there yet. You put one hand down and you push yourself up. What's the big yeah, deal? Yeah, well, not all of us can lift 400 pounds with a one arm. Well, no. Well, no, but I'm not saying I can do it, but I know how to do it. Like, I don't need to research how to do a one handed push up. <laughs> it's about full body about? tension. You got to use your glutes and your abs. There's a lot to it. I haven't done one, but I've read a lot about it in my newsletters. <laughs> glutes, abs. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of you this. You have tried it. <laughs> you have tried It's embarrassing. Abs? abs. No, I can't do Jeez. one. I loved the idea of you like thinking about it. You're like, sweetie, this is the year I'm going to do a one-handed push-up. <laughs> and yeah. now it's like, it's like, you know, September, whatever. And you're like, okay, I have done a lot of research and I've read about doing a one-handed push-up. It's going to be very soon, sweetie. I'm going to attempt it for the first time. This is going to be so fun. You realize though, Aaron's probably had like hour long conversations with his wife about this one-handed push-up, but she tolerates it because he gets birthday candles for her cake. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I did not see that coming a slam on me. <laughs> I would never that, I apologize, Rob. I have, oh have another gosh, friend. I have another friend. His name is Roy. He's married. He's a co-husband of a, a friend of mine, Jenny. And Roy always huh? forgets to bring co-husband? the candles. Co-husband. <laughs> that that I that would be. I think that would be the key, right? Is to be the second husband in that marriage. And you just come in and you're like, okay, so she really doesn't like it when the towels are just put in the sink after you shower and not hung up. I'm not going to do that. Like, I think you can learn from your mistakes that you can't in a way when you marry somebody and move in with them. Like you can't, you know, also you have a sink big enough to fit a towel in. You can't fit a silent. Listen, that was when we first got married. Okay. I don't do that anymore. That's disgusting. I would never do that. It's gross. Okay. Plus I got yelled at a lot. Uh, So I learned my lesson. All right. So I forgot where we were at all. I'm not going to call on Russ again because he did yell at me. me. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. I'm sorry. Russell. Rolling going Russ. How's it going? It's. I feel like I'm in a weird place in my life right now, Rob and Aaron and Matt. Well, you're on a podcast I, with us, so that's. I'm, I'm on a podcast with you guys about about music, and I think kind of piggybacking off of Matt and not being into football or fantasy football. I used to be a huge sports yeah. fan. I would know all we didn't the talk players about that at all. I would know all the players on all these teams, and I've reached the point now where if I have the choice of listening to an album that I'm not into or watching the second half of a Vikings game. I pick the album every time I'm, yeah. I'm out well, on sports. I don't watch welcome. any games anymore. I don't know who players are on any teams. And if, if me as like a 22 year old could come and look at me now, I, 
I would go back into the future and kick the crap out of me. I, I, it would be yeah. a, just a beat down. But you're probably happier. Your life is better. I, I, I got that way, Russell, with uh, baseball, a little bit of basketball too, but baseball is the big one. And football, I still, I give myself three hours a week to watch Vikings front to back. Don't want, kind of come in and out of the other, other NFL stuff, but baseball would be a Tuesday night in the middle of July and their twins are 10 games out. Right. And it's like nine 30 at night. And there's like, it's like the bottom of the seventh and the twins are up by two and you're like, Oh, I can watch the end of this. It'll be done in like a half hour and I'll go to bed at a decent hour and be fine. And all of a sudden the bullpen comes in and the twins are down by four and then they catch up at by two and you're two innings that you think you've got left. I'm, it's I'm riveted. Like a, it's it's like 11 o'clock. Like, this sounds dreamy. Like, what? In the hell am I doing with my life? Watching, start watching baseball again. Baseball in the middle of, of, of July. <laughs> yeah, Matt, we're sold. We're ready to watch baseball. Let's do it. I don't know. I've, I've, been up. Been, I've definitely been there. I've spent more time this week listening to the Stooges than I did watching NFL football. There's there's no way this would have ever happened five, six, seven years ago. What what are you what are you wearing right now? What? Whoa. Okay, so I'm going to um, just push mute real quick. I think we're going to take a little break. I'm going to push pause here. We've asked Russell what he's wearing. Russell is, to be fair, wearing an NFL jersey. Okay, but it does look dope, Russell. But I get your point, Russell. I get it. I mean, like, it, it, it just, it's such a time suck and such a waste of time. And you can figure out the highlights in like five minutes now. And so I'm with you. Is it possible that we are just getting old and getting some sort of ADHD where we can't sit yeah. and watch something for three hours anymore. Cause I find that's even true with like movies. Like people are like, Oh, I'm going to start reading books. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start finishing a movie when I start it. Like, that's my goal. That's, that's for me. I think part of it's getting old. I remember being a kid and my, my uncle or my parents or my aunts and uncles, they, they wouldn't live and die with a Vikings game. If they lost, they would just kind of laugh it off. And I never understood that then I get it now. I get it. Yeah, it is the hard. daily grind. I mean, I've, I've lived through one of my adopted teams winning a title. And the thing is, your team wins a title. You got to go to work the next day. The, man, the don't get me started on how little Lynx paraphernalia you can buy in the, in the general. Uh, no, You can't find it. Uh, but the thing is, like, they win a title. You follow them. You watch every game all season. They win the title. You still have to go to work the next day. And then you go to the, you go to the parade a few days later, but then you just have to go to work the next day. Then they blow a three to one lead, losing game seven. You're at Georgia Waltz at the bar for every single game, five, six, seven, sitting in the same spot, hoping it works out. This sounds awesome. They lose. You still have to get him to go to work the next day. And like you do that enough times in your life, and you, the sports don't seem so important anymore. That, that all seems awesome. Every yeah. single team I follow <laughs> is getting used as toilet paper by every other team all the time. I would sure. love to have a chance. Like one of my greatest joys are the Vikings making the playoffs. I know they're going to get pounded, but I'm just like, yeah, no complaints. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. Like as a, as a basketball fan, I had a great run with the Warriors, but I'm saying, you know, I've got another window open on my computer almost always when I'm watching the Vikings, I'm doing something else. And usually it's making an Excel spreadsheet of things I don't like. <laughs> the, and the Vikings are just, the first. Just my, it's just a kill list of things in my life. I'm like, you I don't guys like, said, you guys don't had like mentioned, doing the dishes cross out. You guys had mentioned the links. Did you guys see this story the other day where Maya Moore, the former links player had essentially retired from basketball to kind of work in the, in the ministry. But she also kind of took on trying to free this guy who was inappropriately convicted 20 years ago. 
Yes. So she made it her life mission to help this guy get out of jail. And he finally got out like six months ago. And they announced today that she married him. Can you imagine like how crazy is that her goal was to get this guy to jail? And within six months, they were married. I did not. I didn't know there was any romantic interest there. That's wild. It would be kind of a bummer, though, if you were that guy, right? Like you're in there for so long. You're like, oh, man, when I get out, I'm going to go on so many dates. Like, this is going to be so great. (laughs) And then you're like, he swipes, oh. he swipes once on Maya Moore. It's a match. And it's like, damn. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, this woman is so hot. I've never seen a woman like her. And then you immediately get out of prison. And you see like a hundred women like her. Cause you just haven't seen any women for the past 20 years. And you're like, oh, this is so great. I love it. And then you're like, you're married. You're like, oh, such dangerous territory. Better than, I mean, it's better than jail. Comments, but I think it's better to just not say anything. <laughs> oh no. Is this another thing of Rob gets, <laughs> Rob gets canceled. Oh Yeah. No, guys, I think that the whole prison, let me be very clear. The whole prison industrial complex is a very bad thing. It's terrible that somebody is being put away for that. But to come out and get married right away. I think the harder thing would be, I mean, I, I mean, we know I'm probably the worst basketball player in my marriage, but I think the tougher part would be knowing that you're the worst basketball player in your marriage. That's tough. Just just at the park and you're just getting spun up and your ankles broken all the time yeah, by you your spouse. Your that would be a like bummer. You can't even go out and hoop together. But you, you would always have the trump card to say, at least I didn't retire from being a pro athlete to marry some guy I got out of prison. <laughs> That's like the uh, I wouldn't be part of any club that would have me as a member kind of thing. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's like that's like in my online dating world. Whenever a girl messages messages me back, I think there's got to be something wrong with her. So I immediately lose interest. I think that's the question you have to ask him, Russ. Like, if I was in prison, would you work to bust me out and then we get married? I think you can really weed out who's serious and who's not serious by asking that question. I'll add, I'll add that to the profile and see how quickly I get reported to the police. <laughs> Stun silence with my idea. I think that was a great idea. Actually, no, Rob, I think it's a, it's a very good idea. The problem is sometimes you guys give me a lot of good ideas and they just yeah. all turn out to be not as good as I thought they were going to be. <laughs> I'm telling you, you need to have us in an earpiece on a date, a la like Impractical Jokers, and we'll tell you what to say. I got some great lines, Russell. I really do. I have two daughters. You think I don't know how to talk to women? And I'm going to cut that shit. All right. It's funny. You got to admit it's funny. Okay. <laughs> Just talk, constantly towing that line. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what, would be, what would be incredible is it like a looper scenario where like one of Rob's daughter's looper, future, looper. one of Rob's daughter's future suitors comes back and she says, oh, dad, I really love this guy. He told me that like, you know, he thought that I would be great at school because I have nice hair and like I would be just fine. And like. Look at him. He he got through school just fine. And Rob's like, oh, my God, this is a line that I used on my own daughter. And now oh, this yeah. future oh. guy is using the Oh, line. no, totally. Having daughters is uh, the most terrifying thing because I know what I was like, like the date women. You know, we were, I was, there the were Ten, Ten Commandments. commandments we know yeah, I know. I was like, dating I was like oh, I res- go home really fast. I respect <laughs> you. I respect <laughs> you so much. Like, we're just going to lie together on the couch. Don't worry about it. You know, stuff like that. We need to move on. Any joke, one of, any oh, of yeah. us, any one of us says cut. right now is, is, is going to be terrible. It's we all getting cut, so don't worry about it. But yeah. Rob, question is, how are you doing? Uh, did we do Aaron yet? No, we, you always skip Aaron because oh, you only care about yourself. As though I have nothing to say. Okay, well, yeah. You know, how am I doing? Say that again, man. So I have a clear edit point here. Rob. How you doing, man? Oh, okay, man. That's twice you had to ask me. You don't have I to believe ask it's me rolling twice. Rolling going. Rolling going. How's it going? Uh, it is going well. I had somebody living in an apartment rocks. Okay. We had, we called down our drain in the bathroom was not draining very well. We called down to the front desk. They just sent somebody up for maintenance with a huge snake 
They pulled out approximately 10 pounds of Jenny's was hair. And <laughs> was he, was he, tag, was he wearing a tag team belt with the honky tonk man? Ooh, I'm here to snake your drain, brother. <laughs> you look uh, into the eyes of a snake. <laughs> you I see love those, darkness. I love those early wrestling guys who they're just, they just had a gimmick. It's like Jake. Snake. All right, done. Like that's it. That's my whole gimmick. <laughs> sometimes I'll have a snake. Sometimes I won't. It doesn't really matter. I, there's nothing else I could do. Like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Why do you have a board? His name was Hacksaw. He should have had a saw. He should have been out there cutting people. <laughs> Something goes uh, like you probably tried that somewhere in a regional uh, promotion and it didn't work out. I've been sent up here to clean drain with this. So yeah, so Jake the Snake comes up and he goes in and snakes our drain and like I tip him ten bucks and he's like, oh, you really don't have to do that. I was like, yeah, no, it's no problem. And then again, that is baller status on my part. But <laughs> I was just like, this is so awesome. I love living in an apartment where I can just call down and be like, hey, come snake my drain. And they're like, okay. And they come to it. So here's my question. I was going to ask you guys, what's your anti chore style? If you could get rid of one chore in your life, what chore do you think you'd get rid of? For me, it's definitely snaking hair out of the drain. That has to be so gross. That's, that's, I own, I was going to go over and pull over the, uh, the snake that I have here in the garage because I've used it in, uh, numerous times. So snaking the drain is my job. Uh, at the top of my Excel spreadsheet of, spreadsheet of chores I want to get rid of. Yeah, the top for me is cleaning up the cat litter box. And I will admit my, my, my lady does it more frequently than I do. But we got this cat who's at least 20 years old now, pretty close. He is never going to die. And uh, his litter is all over the damn place. And he's now recently taken to pissing and shitting outside of the box. So um, any any chore of cleaning up um, cat poop or pee, I'd get rid of that. Ugh. Ugh. I'd rather do that. I'd rather snake a drain 100 times than clean a litter box again. No doubt. Plus, you're like, we're still potty training a toddler. So then you're like doing po- toddler potty training and cleaning oh. up cat. Like, uh, you guys and they're going it. out of the box. Yep. And you got to like yell at them about it. And then, ugh, it's just a mess. You don't know there's poop. It's bad when there's poop in the house and you're not sure who it belongs to. You're like, wait a minute. What's that? Right. Who did this come out of? (laughs) Matt, what's your anti-chore style? What's what, what would you not want to do for a chore? I would say cat litter too, but I think folding the laundry as well. I just can't stand folding the laundry. Don't you have a, don't you have a feeling of satisfaction when you have like, you have a bin full of laundry and then you have a bin full of folded clothes and it's like, yeah, I did something. Uh, no. Yeah, neither no. do I. I never do that shit. But it feels good when it's done and I see it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that looks good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Russ, what's your anti-chore style? What chore don't you want to do? My anti-chore style would definitely revolve around outdoor chores because indoor chores, if I don't do them, I'm the only one who has to, I live alone. <laughs> I'm the only one who has to deal with like, you know, dishes that are in the sink for too long. No one else has to deal with it. But Outdoor chores are the ones where people notice if I don't do it, right? So if I don't mow my lawn for too long, people notice it. Not that I ever do that, but I do it all the time. But the one that always that I have the hardest time with is cleaning leaves and and stuff out of the gutters on my roof. I don't do it nearly enough. And I noticed the other day that I it looks like I have a small tree growing out of part of my roof right now. And every every week I drive up and I sit in my car and I look at it for about 30 seconds and I think I should really do something about that. And then every day I think, well, I still have those dishes inside that I'm going to ignore. So I'm just going to ignore that other thing. <laughs> Neighbors will give you the business about yard stuff. We, we are the only, we, so we live in a nice neighborhood in Oakland. We're the only rental house on for two miles. Other houses around us are, you know, one and a half, $2 million houses. And a neighbor uh, yesterday walked by, took a look at the Ivy in front of our house and said, uh, you guys are renters, right? I said, uh, well, yeah, we, we rent this house. She said, uh, well, several of us down the block have rats, and she gestures at the ivy. 
Meanwhile, uh, we've had a rat living our, in our garage all summer. I, I'd like to just sit on the porch and yeah. watch it go in and out of the garage. And yeah, so and you've like been bringing over like, female rats for the rat yeah. to meet and have babies oh, with. Yeah. You don't neighbors think it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Call you out for your yard shit. You're like, and I, your neighbor's like, I also noticed on your garage it says rat orgy in a big <laughs> sign. So I'm, we're wondering <laughs> if perhaps sign. you're the problem. <laughs> What, what is the connection between the ivy and the rats? I guess rats like to live in ivy. She was clearly, I guess I'm not That's being clear BS. enough. She was blaming our house oh, for yeah. the neighborhood rat problem because oh, we're the only clear. renters in the neighborhood. Oh, I noticed you have you have plants around your house. Rats like did, plants. Did you, we had a rat at my house. It must be your house. That's the fault. You looked out at her house. It's just all like concrete everywhere. No yeah. lawn. She's like, it can't <laughs> be me. Compound. It's a fortress. Did you look at her and start screaming? Oh, you're worried about this infestation. What about this global pandemic on your hands, lady? <laughs> yeah. And then just walk back inside and like throw some more cheese you know, on the I'm ground. A, I'm always too slow on that stuff. Like I was like, Oh, that was nice of Susan to like point out that we should, you know, trim the Ivy. And then I got inside. It's like of mice and men over here. I mean, what is going on? Like, how can you not understand what she's saying to you that she hates you and she wants, oh, you're renters. That should be sign number one. What is going to come out of her house, what comes out of her mouth next <laughs> is not nice. Oh, you're renters. Wow, we love having you in the neighborhood. It's very great. It's always like, oh, why do you have so many cars on your lawn? Like, that's what it's like. <laughs> that's always a low moment for me when my neighbors that I've lived next to for like 10 years ask me if I'm a renter based on my upkeep of my house. Russell, we've noticed that you haven't chainsawed any trees down in the last week. We've been doing one every morning. So if you want to, uh, and that was a callback to a long time ago. Uh, and Aaron, rolling going. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. As I mentioned, our air quality has cleaned up uh, here in Oakland. Um, so we got to be outside the last couple of days. That was nice. That makes my snaking the drain story seem less important. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. There's not as much, um, weird particulate matter to breathe into your lungs when you leave your house. Uh, I will say on a mildly serious note, the thing that I'm into, we talked about movies. Uh, I did complete a full movie this week. And in fact, I watched the first half an hour, uh, twice because my lady wanted to watch it too. Uh, and I would say for listeners of this podcast, I would highly recommend uh, The Five Bloods, which is uh, Spike Lee's latest uh, out on Netflix. Uh, number one, because uh, it's one of Chad Boseman's. Spike Lee's movie is called The Joint, the new Spike Lee joint. Man, you know, Russell, I thought about this so much when I was going to talk about this. Today. I was like, can I say it? the new Spike Lee joint? Is that okay for me to say that? And I should have said Spike Lee joint. You're totally right. The new Spike Lee I joint. I hope it's okay. I think Netflix. it's okay. I'll get the apology thing fired up. Like, am I going to sound like a big week. dork if I say Spike Lee joint? <laughs> That's what I should have said. <laughs> edit that. No, you sound I'm super gonna, cool, Rosie. Keep edit saying this it. back in. The new Spike Lee joint on Netflix. Uh, one of Chadwick Boseman's last performances. Uh, he plays a sort of messianic figure, so that's kind of cool and ironic. Uh, Delroy Lindo, also known as uh, the man into whom LeBron James is morphing slowly over time, uh, gives what I think is a Oscar-winning performance. Uh, but I would say the big thing for listeners, and I'm sorry for bearing the lead, is that the mu- the the movie makes incredible use of what's going on by Marvin Gaye. Uh, so the only music in the movie is Terrence Blanchard's orchestral score and um, what's going on. Um, it, it sort of weaves in and out of the story of these five, uh, four Vietnam vets who go back to Vietnam. Just tell um, us the ending. Tell us how it ends. That's and, uh, <laughs> it's pretty exciting. And, and he's definitely like, it's a really interesting movie. He's really drawing on like, he's sort of paying homage to things like uh, Rambo and other movies like that. And like kind of makes some explicit tie-ins to that, but also it's very different. Uh, so yeah, anyway, it's, it's great. Um, the, the big thing, um, other than, you know, in, in addition to using what's going on, he uses some of Marvin Gaye's isolated vocals, which is of course just like the butteriest butter. Like I'm going to listen to anything that has that. So, 
again, like a fairly basic recommendation. I'm sure this is one of like the top five streaming movies on Netflix, but I think our listeners who enjoyed the what's going on episode would like uh, the five bloods. When you, when you were watching that on uh, the TV, did you turn to your wife and say, this is going to be great for the podcast and then turn back the TV and like smile knowingly and be like, I, <laughs> that, I think that actually happened. Yeah. I think that, yeah. Oh yeah. She's like, that's great, honey. Like she's not paying attention at all. She listened to hear- It took her three days, but she listened to the what's going on episode. She, she listened to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. That's that. I, I was in the weight room the other day with somebody and I said, oh yeah, well, I, I'm, I have to, I'm going to go to sleep tonight. Cause I've got a podcast recording tomorrow. And she goes, Oh, you have a podcast? What's it about? And I go, oh, it's about, you know, we're listening to top five albums of all time, but it really, it's funny. We just make jokes and stuff. She goes, okay. And I was like, <laughs> uh, so a lot of times people would ask Rob, me like, what's Rob, the title or how can I find it? But she's just like, okay. <laughs> my experience has been the second time you bring it up, she will ask for the title. Yeah. But you will never hear from her again. No. I've, I've realized this to the people I've given the title to. I have never, never heard any, any feedback. No, <laughs> it is. This is definitely just for the three of us to listen to. And it's like, oh, it's on Amazon. Amazon has podcasts on. I'm like, this is so exciting. More people cannot listen to what we're doing in here. This is going to be awesome. My favorite part about this one, too, is I didn't hear anything you guys said after Aaron started talking about butter. He said butter twice, and I just oh, yeah. got really hungry. So <laughs> when I re listen to this, I'm probably not going to be listening either because I'm going to be eating instead. Aaron told a very long story there, and it, I, I started thinking about what happens when my wife starts telling a long story. And at one point in my life, this is about oh, six no. months ago, I got in my head that it was a good idea and a funny joke if she tells like a 10-minute long story about work or whatever, where I would say, oh, that was such a good story. Can you tell it again? <laughs> <laughs> and so she told this long story, and I did the line, and she looked at me, and I go, oh, that wasn't funny at all. Like, I thought it was going to be funny, and we were all going to be laughing. Like, I pictured us being like, ho, 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 Rob, you're so funny. And it came off as so rude and like cruel. I was like, oh, sorry about that. That's my bad. I even, I practiced my real and going in my head. I tried to keep it shorter, but I couldn't. I was so excited about that. Sorry, Russell, go for it. As the married guy, maybe you guys could give me a little advice here. How often oh, yeah. are you? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Get, 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 get to the corner. I've made all these. It's we haven't even played one. For Russell's Advice Corner. Oh, yeah. Doesn't those beginning oh, yeah, seem so short and cute now. Russell, what's, what advice do you need? My question, high level question is, is at what point do you acknowledge that you're not listening to your wife? So I was out on, I was out on a date a while back and What'd you say? we were, we were, t- <laughs> we were talking about you getting to know each other or whatever. And at some point she started talking about her house or something like that. And then <laughs> I, I, I talked her to house her or something. You're like, what did you say it was about a your good house? Conversation. It was a good conversation, but so we, we started talking a few days later and I asked her something where it clearly showed that I was not fully oh, paying attention. No. And she said, don't you remember we talked about this? And I, I kind of just went into silence like I did on rolling goon earlier, to, earlier, or I just didn't even know what to say. I just kind of had to, had to like, don't call on me. Did you yeah, say that? Yes. Don't call. I said, I said, don't call on me. And I hung up and I went and ate like a stick of butter because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> but so at what point do you, do you acknowledge as, as a husband, do you acknowledge you're not listening you say, oh, I missed that. How do you handle it? Russ, that question shows that how, how what an amateur you are. You absolutely would never, ever admit that you were not listening. That would be a terrible breach, and it would open it up for the future thinking that you're not listening. Okay? Because that you have to understand, Russell, they don't actually want your opinion. And when I say they, of course, I respect women. Uh, but they don't actually want your opinion. They just want you to be listening. And not even that. They just want to say it. Like, they don't even really care if you're listening that much. So what I do is anytime I hear something that ends with do 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 I I always say 
I always say, well, that must be really frustrating. Or I say, I agree with you. Rob's people make the sa- use the same voices as like the, the adults and the Muppet babies. There's another one. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you say, you say, oh, that must be so frustrating for you. Right. I totally agree with you. Like, no matter what, that's all they want to hear. Okay. What they don't want to hear is, oh, that was such a good story. You should tell it again, which is unfortunately what I think is funny. I think, I think it was up to like maybe year seven or eight that I would try to backtrack and play it off. Like I was listening. Yeah. But then eventually I think you just figure out that you just fall on the sword and just say, I was listening to a thing you're saying. And then (laughs) you get the wrath for about 10 more, 10 seconds. And then she tells the story again and it's all good. But uh, as opposed to like, two minutes of trying to backtrack, but Russ, I don't think you can do that. I, yeah. I've, uh, you're on, you're, you don't have a net. You're on a tight rope with no net. Yeah. Sarah's got, I, I do all the laundry, Sarah. I, I do the dishes. I mow the lawn. Sarah's stuck with me. She can't, uh, she's going to have to, she's going to have to live clean, with me. You want to clean my gutters while you're at it? Yeah. <laughs> How much I think, uh, I mean, Matt, so we get you, started, you do all the work in the house and you're mad that your wife doesn't do more work. Okay, fine. I shall listen to the podcast. Not a healthy way to communicate, but I guess that's that fine with really me. frustrating, <laughs> Matt. Uh, I thought yeah. Russell, was when, you're, when you started this, I thought you were asking at like what moment when you are, if you're not listening, what moment do you say something? And I was going to say, you know, like immediately you say like, oh, you know, terribly no. sorry, I, I wasn't listening. I was thinking about, you know, like conflict diamonds or Fantasy you know something. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was concerned about global warming or you know um, things of that nature. Yeah, my but soap style. You, fantasy baseball, eighth eighth player on the Timberwolves. I haven't lotioned up my feet. Yeah, I think about my foot care routine, yeah, anything. But when it happens a few days later, I don't know, man. That one you just have you to like feet? do your best to apologize and move on. Oh, my. My feet are looking more and more like Parmesan cheese. Like every day I look down, it looks more like a block of cheese. Whatever my feet. They, they, <laughs> if I would go back here? to what, high what school. What the hell happened? What, what happened? Is this is Left field take of the week. <laughs> what, what happened? This if I could go back to high school and block. tell myself. This is the most attractive your feet are ever going to look is right now. Like they're not yeah. getting any better. 2020. It's just the hair, the hairs, you're going to get more hair. The nails are for some reason going to get thicker, like not it's longer. It's so like clear how the top. we have talking about another Bob Dylan album from 1966 oh. at this point. <laughs> so Russell, happy to give you advice. I think that was a good idea. All right. That's it. Time's up. More good advice from Russell. Corner. That was Russell's advice corner. Oh, yeah. Russell, never admit defeat. Never admit that you weren't listening. It's a terrible mistake. understood <laughs> all right so he was not listening to that all right so let's get into this uh i think we talked a little bit about bob dylan does anybody have any experiences with this album or a song i'm going to tell you right now uh, rainy day women is the first song on the forrest gump soundtrack which is probably the cd that uh i listened to more than any other cd in my entire life is the forrest gump soundtrack that was one where like in a six six in a six disc changer in my car that was never coming out of the trunk. That was always CD one and two were those two. They were so good. Uh, and rainy day women was the first song and I did it and I hate it still. And I cannot stand the song. It's, I think it's intentionally <laughs> made to drive me insane. Uh, so when this album started with that, it put me in a real foul mood to start. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? What's your experience with this? Uh, I got zero experience with this album. Um, you know, and I think, I think it took three or four times of listening to it for me to really appreciate it. I, I think I've got a different take than the rest of you guys. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll, I'll put this on the, 
on repeat and listen to it again. I don't, you know, I don't know some of these songs, they drag on and it's a double album. So, uh, um, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of songs there, but you know, I think the musicality in it, and uh, I want to talk about that once we kind of get into a little bit is uh, ahead of its time. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it personally. I actually have put this CD on my spreadsheet just recently. So that, that's not a good sign. <laughs> my hate spreadsheet. There. Russ, what's your experience with this album? Sorry, I've got to go cross people off my hate spreadsheet for a second. <laughs> Don't do that. They the, the feds come in and find that. That's big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did have a hate spreadsheet and he did talk about it in his podcast. And I'm glad I called that guy. Yeah. The bad thing is I wasn't listening to you when, when you told me to delete it. That's the main problem is we're all sitting here thinking of things to say and not listening to the thing anybody else is saying. Man, I'm listening. I, I don't really have guys. any meaningful history with the album or Bob Dylan. We've listened to Highway 61 already, and I've, li- I've watched two different documentaries. And the second one I, I watched has a lot of kind of like behind-the-scenes footage with Bob Dylan and now the band or the, the, the artists that are playing with him yeah. through this album and the, the, I think part of the previous album too. But I think that's a, a really interesting thing that I learned about is the connection with uh, is it Levon and the Hawks who go on to be known as yep. the band? Is that the correct name? That is correct, uh, Levon yeah. Helm. And so I, that was one cool thing that I that I found out watching one of the documentaries about this. But one interesting thing about Bob Dylan, I don't know. I think Aaron maybe touched on this before. The documentary I watched last time kind of shows Bob Dylan interacting with people in the media a lot. He's kind of a dick, right? He he oh, totally. he comes off as being very sarcastic and. Yeah. You could like it for a little bit, but when you watch more than a few minutes of it, you just realize he's kind of an asshole, is, is he well, not? And that's why doing the uh, research for this album is almost impossible because any quote you find from Bob Dylan, like somebody asked him, hey, hey, what? I almost said the Bob Dylan voice. Oh, my God. It's Bob Dylan asking Bob Dylan. It's Bob Dylan's brother, Rupert. Hey, Bob Dylan, this is Rupert. Uh, why did you, they said, why did you write the song Pillbox Hat, Leopard Skin Pillbox Hat? What's it about? And he goes. Yeah, I don't know. I think I saw it like in a store. I think I saw it in a window in a store. <laughs> but it's like, you know, yeah, that's I mean, not right. You yeah, know that I, he's lying to you and he's just saying that to like piss you off. He literally is like the Bill Belichick of musicians. He's just like, yeah, no, I don't really care. And you can tell he has all these like brilliant thoughts and he just doesn't want to share it. It's uh, aggravating. But I try to like, you know, I, I, I have my uh, ups and downs with how I feel about Dylan as a, as a human because I, as I've said before, I think he might be full of shit. But he wrote some genius tunes. I think there's some genius tunes on this album. And I, I think he was most comfortable communicating through music. I've said this before. And I think a lot of what you see when he tries to communicate in other ways is discomfort with himself, with the world around him. And I have to imagine that he felt on some level, I've given so much. I couldn't possibly write any more words on any of these pages. I've written every word I could think of. Why is anyone still asking me for any more thoughts. If I didn't put it in my song, I probably didn't think of it. I, I think he maybe just didn't have anything else to say. It's like I mowed the lawn. You can't ask me to clean the gutters too. I've done right. everything you can ask me to do. Yeah. What's Aaron's history with the album? Do you have any other history, Aaron? I thought that was the history. I wasn't going to ask. I oh. probably no, should have My asked. only history with this, um, uh, I, I, this is kind of a hole in my um, Dylan knowledge. I don't know this album that well, but when I think about it, it is interesting to me that I can think of at least two songs that were either written about or inspired by members of this band. So there's the song Levon by um, Elton John. Um, so he wrote a song about Levon Helm, or he didn't, he, he didn't write it about Levon Helm, but it was somehow inspired by him or something. 
Uh, is that where an, the name comes from, really, for that song? I love it, that Elton John song. That's one of my favorite it, songs of his. Oh, my God. It's so good. I'll turn it down a little bit for you guys. Oh. Guys, this makes me want to listen to Elton John. This is not good. I know. I'm sorry. I need to take us off I don't get it. Why is Elton John so much less crabby than Bob Dylan? Like, they both are equally successful, right? Like, they both kind of had the same path. Why does Elton John seem so much more pleasant? Bob Dylan's a big grout. Yeah. <laughs> so none of these lyrics seem to be about Levon Helm, but but uh, if you, you know, if you at least according to Wikipedia, uh, he's drums. Talking about the drums Levon. in a band that he called the band. But the one that's strange to me is there's a, a band that I truly love called Drive By Truckers and one of their members, Jason Isbell, who's uh, still a great rock and roller. I loved so many of his songs. Um, one of my least favorite Drive By Truckers songs is called Danko Slash Manuel. So we're playing your least favorite song now on the list. What happened here? So the song's called Danko Slash Manuel. <clears throat> I never really knew that it was about two mm-hmm. members of Bob Dylan's band. It's such a bummer. Just no, kind of three. It's, There's three it's members. Sort of Rosie, it's about <laughs> Rosie, it's about three members. Which three? It's Danko and Slash and Man, <laughs> right? Isn't that what you said? <laughs> the song's called Danko Slash Manuel. Yeah. Hey. You care? You guys care if I have my two boa constrictors here with us? It's in, so in Nashville? different from anything that's on this album. I, I don't friend, understand. I brought my friend Jake, and he sits over in the corner. He's wearing my hat. <laughs> but I think oh, it's no. so interesting. It I'm going to uh, DDT you into the ground. The Jake the Snake has brought out Slash as his tagging partner. <laughs> that's it. That's what I think about this album. It's like, oh, he's I, taking I him outside really of church, and he's going to body slam him. But first, here comes a guitar solo. Short clothesline. DDT. No wonder, no wonder my wife hates me so much. I am so bad at listening to people. Oh my god! I am so sorry, Rosie. I totally talked over you. But the idea of Jake the Snake Robertson slash as wrestling co-partners is just too funny to me. I just uh, hope that so, yeah, anything I say can become a joke. That's that's all my goal is for anything to become a running joke on this Levon podcast. And that song was about two guys in the band. That's yeah, so wild. Danko slash Manuel Richard. Uh, shit, is it Richard Dankwell? Danko? I can't remember now. Okay, so I talked over your bit, Rosie. I apologize. That's my it, bit. It wasn't a bit. It was uh, just a thought. I think everything's a bit. That's the other problem. Like, people don't <laughs> have feelings. It's a bit. Uh, they like what I talk about this. So, basically, he was trying to record this in New York. Uh, this is after Highway 61. He, saying, he's, he, just, he was trying to do sessions with the band there that he was using on Highway 61. At the same time, where he's touring more than he ever has before, he can't get the sound right. He tries doing 10, out, 10 recording sessions in New York, can't get any songs done. And somebody in the band says, hey, you should come down to Nashville. Like, I played down in Nashville. I know everybody down there. You'd really enjoy it. And at the time, apparently, this was a hugely controversial thing because rock and roll people did not go down to Nashville. That was strictly country. But he went down there, and, of course, he meets, like, these super professional Nashville, Nashville musicians who are used to sitting there and working for an hour on a song and then pounding it out and working an hour for another song and pounding it out and kind of doing that conveyor belt stuff we've talked about before. And now all of a sudden they're working with Bob Dylan where literally they're sitting there playing cards for six hours. And then Bob Dylan goes, okay, I wrote a song. And then they work on it for 10 hours. And then he's writing a song and he'll write it in a half hour and they work on it for two hours. Like it's such a, a different setup that that's what you hear is that they're actually playing all these songs live in the studio with no barriers between them. And a lot of times he would just be like, nope, it's not going to be right until the 15th take. Like I want that slowed down sound. I want that 
And they said on that last song, which was 11, that, that uh, Sad Eyed Lady, that they thought that was going to be just a three verse song. And that's why it builds so much in the third verse. And then he kept going for another like eight minutes. And they're like, guess what? This is a whole side of the album now. I mean, that was the whole fourth side of this double album. Uh, and then he, but Bob Dylan loves this album. He's saying this is the closest he's ever heard to what the songs in his head sound like. He called it a thin mercurial sound, which I think is a perfect description of this. Because at this album, I would say at points is piercing. I was talking to my friend Suzanne about it today and she was like, maybe you're just too old. I was like, maybe 20 years ago, you wouldn't have cared that there was this loud harmonica. And I was like, I don't know. This seems like a sound that is made at the specific frequency of human ears. That drives me crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, he records all these down in Nashville and all of a sudden they, uh, he pounds out six songs in 13 hours. And, and this is the album that comes out of it, which is blonde on blonde. All right. Should we start getting into the tracks here? Let's get Good. into the tracks. All right. So blonde on. I was blonde. thinking I should get stoned for this episode, but then I would have fallen asleep by now. So that I didn't do that. Well, I can think of us. I can think of a sound that would wake you up, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dylan said he wanted a band to sound like the Salvation Army band. It worked. The guy was like, like, "I'm gonna play trumpet. Does that, that be good?" And he's like, "Nope." I mean, you want to talk about Rosie? This is like a sound you made in the high school in band, like when you're warming up as a trombone to be as loud I, as possible. I read that they just picked up some like trombonist off the street to play the beginning of the song, and isn't that like? You know, you guys, I'm not a big NHL fan, but do you know when NHL teams, they've got like a spare yeah. goalie who just mm-hmm. sits in the stands. And so oh, if right. both goalies for a team gets hurt, they just oh. bring in this dude off the street and he plays in the game for either team. And isn't that crazy? They just picked up some trombonist off the street and now he's playing in one of these, you know, a song on the top 10 albums of all time. I think in Nashville, you just have trombonists all over the place like pigeons. <laughs> so they have a trombone in my garage that could be me like the next time someone needs a trombonist off the street you, that could be me you look like you played trombone in a ska band get in here <laughs> that'd be so great you're like well i need to work on my embouchure sadly i never played in a ska band i did play in the band for my high school show choir that's it okay that's so the that's joke. the opposite of a ska band actually <laughs> So, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't play in a ska band, but the point you did want to make, and you made time to really say this, is that you played in your, not, you were not in the show choir, but you were a trombonist for the band for the show choir. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, Jazz trombonist for the show choir. Yeah. We played some blood, sweat and tears, man. I got into it. You know, what, who is doing a choir that has a trombone in the background? Nobody's like, you can always get what you and then it's like it's like oh i love that choir and i loved it when the trombone came in real loud in the middle <laughs> that was me that's what i was trying to do is there is the reason you were the all-state trombone player because you were the only trombone player in the state of iowa or not i i don't want to get into all of this boring shit i was never oh, let's all-state get into as it. a i was not and why are you wearing your trombonist. high school letter jacket and pointing to your trombone patch <laughs> yeah. right now i I was a very good trombonist, but I was all state in the choir, not in the band. I did not make all state as an instrumentalist uh, because Grant Dickinson was first chair and not me uh, in high school. Oh, uh, and not that he holds, not that he holds any grudges, but it is, I do see on his Excel list, it does say Grant Dickerson. So that's not, uh, not great. Much, much bigger boner than you. I don't want to, I don't want to bore these people. Not, my- not bigger, not bigger, Matt. It is uh, better. Robert, Matt, did you guys ever play an instrument in high school or, or middle I absolu- school? I absolutely, and this may shock you. I also was a trombonist. 
Yes. So I know I could play a B flat scale right now. One, six, four, three, two, one, four, yeah. two, one, something, three, two, one. Uh, and you can tell I am by how musical I am. And I didn't just take the trombone up to my lips and sing through it. Next time, a trombone or off between Rob and Aaron next Man, week. Right. I could, yeah, I can have mine ready to go in like three minutes. We can get Charlie, Charlie from St. Olaf. We can get Charlie on too. He he was in oh, a ska yeah. band, ska singing redemption. Listen, if there's so one thing that in. goes well with living in an apartment in New York, as I've aforementioned, it's practicing my <laughs> trombone at all hours of the night. <laughs> hey, who wants to hear when the Saints come marching in? Bomb, bomb, up, Okay, uh, who wants to hear uh, the B flat scale? I thought it'd be pretty blah, good. Blah, like, if Jenny, if Jenny's like making dinner, you just have your trombone and you just dirt, dirt, No, I would tell you right now, you would think playing trombone in the high school band is really fun because you get to move this thing and everybody, but it turns out that that's the one instrument everyone can see if you've made a mistake because every other tr- instrument, every other person you're playing with like goes out and you don't go out at all. And you're like, oh, damn it. I just made a mistake. And everyone in this whole auditorium well, you gotta knows. watch to make sure you don't hit someone in front of you in the, in yeah. the. Seats oh, down below. And also you go walking around looking like you got punched in the mouth all day. Oh yeah. And the slides always get out of line and you had to like re-grease them. <laughs> it was the biggest pain in the ass. And I had like my uncle's old trombone from like 1965 and the thing just would never stay straight. And also I took zero care of it. I remember I came into middle school. They're like, Hey, did you practice over the summer? I was like, Oh yeah, let me just find my trombone. It was right where I had left it in June the year before. I was like, yep, I got lots of practice. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be Isn't great. Isn't that the worst that you had to use like your grandpa's old trombone? You, your parents would even buy you like a new trombone from Schmidt Music it's or whatever. It's a little rusty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. My, one of my great trombone stories is uh, I was thrown out in my, <laughs> when I was in fifth grade uh, was when we first started. Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. Let me play this sting. This is just one of Aaron's great trombone stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do, 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 do. Probably didn't think of all the albums to have a trombone. I would play this. You would think, like, we, we had to say, we're not going to talk about the harmonica. We're not going to talk about it. Nobody said shit about the trombone. You can talk about all you want, Aaron. Go ahead. <laughs> Man, so here's the thing. I was going to make a trombone list because I really, uh, there's a jazz trombonist named Gracken Monker III. Uh, I really like his, <laughs> I like his evolution album. So I was going to make a trombone list, and I tried not to do it, but it's like it's the first sound on the album. You're going to talk about trombones. I think Uh, Trombone Shorty would be on that. I mean, his name's Trombone. Right. Trombone Shorty. Did Kraken Shorty or whatever this guy's name is play Mm -hmm. with Joe Horn and everything? I didn't hear Sarah mention that in the voicemail. my great trombone story is in fifth grade, when we first started in band in Ankeny, Iowa, we did group trombone lessons. So I was in a group lesson with Jason Dravinga, and Eric Reno, I'm sure you, I'm sure they're listening because we have millions of listeners. And I don't know how this got started, but Rob, this will speak to you. Our oh, no. um, our instructor at the time was a student teacher, and he made like a, a mild joke using a Jamaican accent, which like I'm sure you all can hear listeners out there how uh, I'm a super white person. Uh, so Hilarious. he made a sort of joke using Jamaican In accent. In Iowa? Oh, God, that's funny. And oh, yeah. And then we uh, would not, uh, as fifth graders would not let that joke go. It had to continue making the Jamaican accent. He kicked us out of our trombone lesson finally for continuing the joke that he started. And then by my senior year of high school, uh, that very person was my band instructor. He had been my student teacher and then he was my band instructor. And my favorite thing to do with, with Mr. Poppin was in pep band when he would uh, call up a tune and he would say, all right, let's play. Give me some loving. I would say, Mr. Poppin, I don't think that's appropriate. So um, these are things that I really oh, remember. Oh my God. From playing trombone and you can cut all of that Rob I apologize for taking Rosie us. does not want to pay for this therapy I'm so all. sorry 
I'm so uh-huh. sorry. We even left. We even right. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? We better talk about oh, that. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to take us down that I'm not even going to ask you what the Jamaican joke was because I'm sure it was very appropriate. And you could definitely say it today. Nobody ever, <laughs> nobody ever used a Jamaican accent to make what would now be totally inappropriate cultural appropriation jokes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Aaron, I can't wait for next week's segment. Aaron's next trombone story of the week. Uh, I do like how you were in the pep band though. So you got to play like all the sporting events. Yeah, totally. I, my school, you could either be in the pep band or the football team. You couldn't do both. Isn't that some BS? Once again, I, I was on the football team, so I only did marching band on Saturdays. I did the competitions on Saturdays. I didn't do the halftime or the pep band during the football. I did pep band in basketball season. We got to stop. Where would you guys rank this song on the all-time like lead <laughs> tracks? Would you, like, where in the world of Marvin Gaye, what's going on to tax, man, for what we've listened to, where does this rank in that top seven or eight? Eight. One ahead of tax, man. Everything's better than tax, man. Second to last. 8,000. Yeah. This is the worst song that we've heard yet. Isn't this Way the best song on the man. album? No. No. This is not the, no. Russell, well, Russell, this is your favorite canceled. on the album? No, it's not. Admittedly, it's the only song I'd ever heard from this album the first time I listened to it. Okay. I mean, yeah, the it's song. one of the better known, but I, I wouldn't call it the best on the album. It's the only hit from this album, right? Well, all the other good songs the other. are not radio length. So Understood. Can't, yeah. Understood. Can't be. I think I read that I Want You was charted, right? Yeah. I Want You might have charted. Yeah. Some of them got above 100, but I don't. I think the Rainy Day Women was the biggest hit. My favorite part is that he, he the, the Wikipedia describes this as a elaborate pun on getting stoned. I was like, this is not an elaborate pun. This is just one joke said over and over and over. Yeah, I don't see what it's like. He knew the radio would never play a song called Everybody Must Get Stoned, so he called it Rainy Day Women. Hmm. Guys, I'm I'm telling you, this song, it pierces my brain in a way that most music can't. I I listened to it once, and then every other time I heard it, I switched it. That's what all my friends typically say about our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to episode zero. Everybody is still listening to episode zero. I was like, that was our test one. You have to listen to later episodes. They get better. Uh, but not this one. All right. We had like four test ones before episode zero. <laughs> well, yeah, we, but we're not releasing those because of all the, <laughs> the insane anti-mask stuff you were talking about the whole time, Rosie. All right. <laughs> this one is called Pledging My Time. In the morning. All right. Don't complain. Don't complain. Positive. I got a Rupert on the harmonica. The headache, but I feel all right. I'm pledging my time. Wikipedia talked about the improvised harmonica breaks, and I was like, they're not that improvised. There's one where it's just the one long note played for like four minutes. It's like the joke of my intro in real life. This is one song I just don't really want to listen to, and and I I think it's cool that Dylan got to record music that he liked, and he obviously was into the blues, but I just if I want to listen to a blues tune, I'm probably not going to listen to this one, but I respect him for, you know, doing it. Not that Bob Dylan cares about my respect. The harmonica, oh, it's the back line next week is just Bob Dylan. We're like, hey, I think he loves it. He loves it. That's a pull quote. I'm Bob Dylan and I love this podcast. Uh, Visions of Joanna. This one actually was one of his. That A lot of people say that this is Bob Dylan's greatest song ever. It's in Wikipedia, folks. It's got to be true. I mean, I love this song. Just the guitar and the bass player said they finally figured out how to play with Dylan's lyrics. 
on this song. This is that this is that sound Matt was talking about musicality, and this is where I think you can hear the band is just really tight. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if this was remastered or whatever what I've heard, but I mean I've finally got some nice speakers to listen to these on, and maybe that's why. But these, I mean this is just unbelievably clear, and I, I just I thoroughly enjoy all the musicians that are taking part of this. It's not just a radio song that's trying to get in and get out. I mean it, it sounds like a song. If that the makes song sense. wants to be here for you. Yeah, the song wants you to listen yeah. to it. It's not just trying to catch your ear for three minutes and walk away. Mm-hmm. The harmonica what makes we, me want to put a drill in my ears. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. We, we can bring it up, and then if we we will let it go for the rest of this album. If we go to like a minute thirty in. Yes, we can. Let's see. I think we can. Anyways, let's see. Yeah, yeah to me, the the stars of that song are the guitar and the and the keys. I just think that there's some yeah. really great stuff going on. Those sound unbelievable. I really enjoyed this song. I thought it was awesome. And then this harmonica hits, and I had to turn my speakers down. I had to turn my volume down because it just he's just blaring it at you. It's a lot. It's this is what we're talking about when we feel like he's just kind of doing whatever he wants. You this harmonica break felt like it. It's just like, guess what? I'm gonna play this and you're gonna keep it in the album and I'm Bob Dylan. Hang on, this is pledge of my time. We were talking about visions of Joanna. Either way. Oh my god, are yeah. you serious? <laughs> this is the one I always think of when I think listen to this harmonica song. Oh, this is your favorite harmonica break. It's so long. He's just honking on that thing. I got all confused. This happened to a lot of these songs where I'd listen to one. I'd be like, I have no idea what song that is. Guys, I'm not, I should not be hosting this podcast. I am not good at this. When when (laughs) they say like, this is one of Bob Dylan's greatest songs. And a lot of it, like what I read is it's appreciation for the lyrics. And I read the lyrics a few times and I still don't really understand it. So Matt, when you like this song or Aaron, when you like this song, you read the lyrics or do you understand the lyrics or understand what he's singing about? I feel like there's one or two like lines or three or four lines in each mm-hmm. song that kind of stick with you. Sure. It's not like telling a story from point A to point B. It's, I'm not even going to call it poetry. I think he thinks it's poetry, but you know, he, he makes a lot of points and he, I mean, he's extremely good at rhyming or getting words that flow together that I don't think anybody before him was very good good at doing that or at least not putting it in the form that they're that they that he's got it in and so just the putting the music with the lyrics and then again you know, you know i think your guys point is that sometimes he's just blabbing on about god knows what but you always pick out two or three things and i should have probably written them down to sound a little smarter about this but the you know i, I just think the way that he crafts and then it's not just six syllables each measure Mm -hmm. or however it goes you know he might put 13 syllables in one and eight in the other yeah it all comes out beautifully in the end well and really like knowing that these musicians a lot of times this was the first day they had ever played this song the recording you're hearing like they didn't practice it a ton no like to be able to play with bob dylan when he's like and i want people to say what i'm thinking about and like you never know how many words he's going to put into a measure it's got to be bizarro to play with him yeah, I think he's when he really gets it right. And to me, songs like this, I think when he's like, I mean, not getting it right, it's not for me to say, but I think when it really speaks to me, no, Russell, I don't, I couldn't name a, I couldn't, I don't think I can recite a single lyric from this song, even though I've listened to it every day for the last week. Um, but it's, to me, it's like it's painting pictures with words. Um, the other yeah. person that I think about who does this really well is Ghostface Killer. And it's the same. Like, I don't, always uh-huh. understand what Ghostface is talking about, but you get the feeling you kind of let it wash over you and you understand. And 
So yeah, I, I don't, I don't say that I know what visions of Johanna is about, but I get a feeling from it. And some of that has to be words. I just Googled uh, in quotations, Ghostface Killa and Bob Dylan, and it came back with zero results. I didn't know what? you could even do that on Google anymore. No that way. was crazy. There have to be more results. I'm going to put up this transcript. It's going to be the first results ever for the for comparing Bob Dylan and Ghostface Killer. That was I can't absolutely. Be the first one. I can't be the first. My other one is going to be Asap Brock, but that's too obvious because he's white. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on. I mean, I mean, I almost interrupted you to say that. Uh, and I definitely know what ASAP Rook is. Okay, so uh, one ASAP of us. Rocky? <laughs> no, 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 not ASAP Rocky, ASAP Rock. Two different, they're different rappers. Right, wait, what? What? What else can I do? Como es posible? That was Aaron's second left field take of the week. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember what the trombones player name was, much less ASAP Rock. This is Aaron. You're just so wild to me. One of us must know. This is a double album, guys. We got to get going. We got to get on the dollar sign. Oh, that's why I. That's where my Google search went wrong. I needed the dollar sign. I do like this bass forward, Bob Dylan. I have to admit, fun. Uh, That was the first one. Uh, That's the end of side one. This is the one that they did in 15 takes. And it really is interesting that the chorus in that you can really hear the piano just pounding. And that's the sound Bob Dylan was looking for. What I've heard about Bob Dylan is that he's so particular about exactly how everything sounds on the recording and that he, any band that's working with him is really is he's going to work them over pretty hard. Cause he's, he know I, I think this is one of these albums where you can tell this is a singular vision of like one person, like this is what I want to hear. And it comes through big time. Kind of like pet sounds, right? Where, mm-hmm. Brian Wilson was essentially telling every single instrument player, I need you to play it this way, play it this way, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Young gets into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can tell some of these artists, they get big enough and they just have no influence from anybody else. They're just like, I'm going to make exactly what I want to make. All right. Probably my favorite song on the album. I want you. Me too, man. I love this song. This is so fun, isn't it? You just feel good. I was walking down the street today listening to this and it just put me in such a good mood. Yeah. This is the one that's stuck in my head all the time. I want you Listen to all the instruments. Yes. All, oh, so good. Yeah, and the guitar playing in parallel kind of with it was at keys or whatever. It's super cool. And I just, I love how simple the chorus is. So This good. is also a basis of my Bob Dylan stand-up bit that I'm doing where I do parody songs of Bob Dylan. And this song is called I Want YouTube. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I want YouTube. I want YouTube. And then it's like, hit that bell. I want to get a subscription. It's a guy. Really? YouTube. If this doesn't take off, if this doesn't take off, my career as a Bob Dylan stand-up artist is totally, it's going to be great. You got all the jokes written already. (laughs) Yep. That was the only one. And it was barely a joke. All right. uh, (laughs) Stuck inside of mobile with Memphis on my mind. I think this is my favorite. I I would agree with Matt because it's so, what is it, seven minutes long? This keeps going. Yeah, I love it. This is another one where when he wrote it with the band, he didn't know the lyrics. He was just kind of mumbling stuff, and then he was able to put it in later, which I think is how he wrote a lot of this. And it is rhythmically, rhythmically, it's really interesting. I was on a bike ride today, I was trying to sing this in my head, and I kept skipping beats because something about it just doesn't fit, but the band makes it work. It's very cool. And it's cool that he's he's tying Memphis and Mobile together, right? Those are two major yep. musical cities for pop music. That's that's cool to me. Aaron, jumping off of that, you mentioned 
Memphis being this rock and roll city. It's kind of the home of the blues. It's the home of rock and roll. Did you guys know that there are 1,074 songs that mention Memphis in the lyrics? It is the most mentioned wow. city of any city in music in recorded history. Is Memphis. That true. It, totally I looked awesome. it up on Google it. today, Rob. I believe that. Can't put anything on the internet that's not there true. There are 1,074 songs, 800 different unique titles that mention Memphis in the song. Oh, my God. Okay, and well, moving on. Are we going to get to hear some of them? Are we going to get to talk <laughs> so about them? Absolutely. No. I figured we should we should check out some of these songs. And yes, admittedly, this it. is one of the hardest lists we've ever come up with because it's really hard to narrow it down. You but I think we down. need to do a list about the greatest songs ever about Memphis. Yes. It's, 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 it's time. Four, three, two, one. For another Oh, I'm just going to warn you right now. I have a joke in this segment that's so good that you you might die when you hear it. Are you ready for this? I'm going to warn you guys that I have such an emotional attachment to Memphis, a city that I've been to only three times in my life, that if I break down in tears at any point in this segment, feel free to edit that out. It's okay to cry, and it's okay for me to feature that on the trailer. It's just going to be, <laughs> hey, listen to our podcast. Oh, Memphis. <laughs> hey, if you want to check out more, Beck did it better. Call the Beck line. No, it's your party, Rosie. You can cry if you want to, okay? I like it. Thank you. Number four on the list is Mark Cohn walking in Memphis. I mean, it's got to be out there. Like, this is it. Like, so many slow dances to the song is what I, I watch other people do in middle school. And then, like, when you go to Memphis and he's talking about all these things, they're like Graceland and Al Green, all of it, it just. It, so, supposedly, he traveled to Graceland to try to find some inspiration. And then, all these, he had all these experiences in Memphis, and this is what the song is about. So, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, right. my sister lives in Memphis. Does she really? Do you go visit? Yeah. Do, you get, do you eat at the uh, rendezvous? Yeah, I, hey, Rob, down. I know she's from Memphis. He's the only 10 I see. Oh, oh, snap. That was the joke I was going to make that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> no, it was not. It was about my sister. God dang it. Now it doesn't seem. Uh, no, but I went down there once when she graduated and she was like, okay, let's go out on Beale Street. And let's do all this fun stuff. And instead, Rock Band had just came out. So we stayed in her apartment and played Rock Band all night. And I never saw Memphis at all. <laughs> Number three is Jerry Lee Lewis, Memphis Beat. Speaking of pounding on the piano, man, this guy would fuck up a piano for sure. Gonna marry my cousin. And he recorded this in Memphis. He, he stopped playing rock band with his sister and went and recorded this song while he was down there. So he was a son of records guy. Just to be clear, by the way, I have no regrets about what I did. I did what I did, and I'm proud of it. Aaron or Matt? Aaron, do you know, like, what? I don't know if Jerry Lee Lewis is on our, our list at all. What's the story with Jerry Lee Lewis? Like he's some famous piano player or what's his story? I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he flew too close oh, to the sun or what. I think his, uh, a couple of his live albums. He's are 245 on, on the list. He is? Is, it the, yeah. is that the live from the star club? By far the most famous thing about Jerry Lee Lewis is he married like his 13 year old cousin. Right. Yeah. I think he had some, some stuff. Uh, and some- that kind of got him. I think, I think that was even too much for the music people back then. They're like, we cannot, we cannot put right. up with this. Well, speaking of people who have done inappropriate things, number two on the list, Chuck Berry, Memphis, Tennessee. Wait, did you say mm, piss? Oh, God. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that was the joke. Oh, it's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> oh, 
I thought of that earlier today and I thought it was so funny <laughs> I wrote it down. All right, here we go. Chuck Berry. Memphis, Tennessee. I can't think of anything else. So just to, just to let everybody know what we're referring to, Chuck Berry did have an incident where he was arrested for setting up total camps, which are wrong. We should not. I think what's unfortunate about this song is that it wasn't there, there was a cover by what, like Johnny Rivers or somebody? Johnny like, Rivers. So the interesting thing is, good. I think maybe we could pull the Johnny Rivers up one, Rob, if you have a second. I was going to put, I'm very I busy. think the Johnny Rivers one is more known, and I was going to play that, but I figured if Chuck Berry did it first, we should give him the credit for it. Yeah, the Johnny Rivers one is people really know, but I, I don't know. I kind of like the Chuck Berry one better. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, you I mean, listen to this. You the, might change the, your mind. The Chuck Berry one's faster. No, this one's quick. Right listen there. to this. Yeah, I mean, this one rocks a little harder. Slowing it down definitely helps. It just sounds better. It's a good groove. Long distance information. Ooh, this is the one everyone knows, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's a banger. So good. The the next song on the list is King Curtis, Memphis Soul Stew. And I think this one is just badass. Yo. I think this is one of the coolest songs we will hear throughout the Art West. King Curtis Stew. can blow, man. We sell so much of this, people wonder what we put in it. I love We're gonna tell you right now. These songs. Where they give me about a half a teacup of bass. Where they talk about the, the instruments coming in and then they come in you're just like, right? It's yep. like Archie Bell and the Drills. Sly and the Family Stone has a great one. Pound of Fatback Drums. These drums now are hot too. Four tablespoons of ball in Memphis guitars. This gonna taste alright. Are we gonna hear King Memphis Curtis guitars? Four tablespoons. Come on, King Curtis. Give it to us. And some wispy flute with my friend Joe Horn. <laughs> a little bit of a B3 in here. And here's Kraken Montgomery III on trombone. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> and a half of pine horns. Ooh, this is that this jazz. This is badass, is it not? This is. Oh this man. is number this one, is, Russell, with a bullet. Yeah, this, this is, is me flipping over a car right here. right here. This is so good. Something, we need more songs like this. You guys think the King Curtis song is probably the greatest song about Memphis? Oh, Russell, the there is no way anyone could ever come up with a song Three, six that is greater or more relevant to this podcast than the one that you just put on top of that list. So let's move on. That's the end of the list. You nice know job, what, Russell. The, huh? the one problem with that is I don't think that King Curtis ever combined the jazz flute with rhythm and blues. Oh, but I know one what? man who did. And that's Herbie Mann, Memphis Underground. What? One man, capital Mr. Man. That's Mr. Man to you, Russell. Enjoy this jazz flute about Memphis. So, Russell, which of one of your mom's records was this song on? <laughs> this is actually Memphis Underground is the title of the album. There you go. Do you just picture him playing this with his shirt off every time? Oh. I, <laughs> I picture totally. Herbie Man with his shirt off just at any given moment. I'm just always picturing Herbie Man with his shirt off. A really interesting fact I saw about this is Memphis Underground was the favorite album of writer Hunter S. Thompson, who mentioned it in several chapters of his book, Beer and Loathing on the Camping Campaign Trail. I'm telling you guys, Herbie Mann, we're, we are the number one place for your Herbie Mann resurgence news. Herbie Mann <laughs> is going to have a huge resurgence thanks to us. Let's face it, we already had a voicemail today. We're going to get another one in about three weeks at this rate. 
about hey, this is Herbie, Herbie Mann. Mann. This is more play than Herbie Mann. And everyone I talked about Herbie Mann is like, oh yeah, I know Herbie Mann. I have that. That's crazy. It. Like that band playing behind him is good. That's a good groove. Like that kind of chunky, you know, bass moving forward kind of thing. I mean, they, they got the Memphis sound down. Russell, nice job with the countdown. Once again, you have gone off the board and blown our minds. Excellent. And Excellent. you, yep. the fact that you could combine Herbie Mann and Memphis is absolutely <laughs> mind blowing to me. Uh, Problem is, I don't want to hear anything else after hearing Memphis Souls too. That's all I want to hear. So the rest of this album can just eat it because that's all I want to hear. I'd eat that Memphis Soul stew, right? Because oh, I maybe. definitely don't want to hear Leopard Skin to Pillbox ever again in my life. Thanks, thanks for our listeners for sticking around for this next song. Then <laughs> I'm like Joe Buck in the sixth inning of a game. Like, oh, fuck this shit. I'm out of here. What's the macros on this Memphis Soul stew? I've already had my fill of chunky bass. I can't have my doctor says I'm only supposed to have nine grams of base per day. And that was another one that I'm going to have to edit out. God, I'm just not on fire today. Rob, you're a lot stronger. Than Rob, as long as you lay off pinching your organ, you're going to be just fine. I think <laughs> a little pinch of organ. Well, see, you yeah. got your brand new leopard skin pillbox head. There's honestly a graph, and I know we've said it, but I think there's a graph for this album that as the amount of flute goes up, the quality of the song goes down. All these without the flute. Uh, all these about harmonica that flute in the brain they're so much better without the harmonica I mean I'm still mad at Russell because he went off the list and I, I think Memphis Souls 2 was the better song about Memphis but when you hear the groove from that Herbie Mann song whoever was playing Russell, I'm, I'm gonna need to, to look this up Whoever was playing on that track, they get this stuff more than the Hawks did. And when you hear the Hawks try to do this kind of groove, it just it sounds it sounds bad when you when you when they do the jangly, rambling, you know, Almond Brothers guitar kind of stuff that works for me. But when they when they're doing Leopard Skin Pillbox, it's not the same as musicians who really get it. Did you guys know in 2008 there was this charity project called War Child Presents Heroes, where all these legendary musicians asked next generation musicians to cover some of their favorite songs. That sounds like an album that we can't make jokes about. And Bob Dylan actually picked Beck to cover this song. What? Leopard skin pillbox hat. So Beck covered this song and he performs it at a lot of his concerts. Now check it out. I'm telling you, when you hear this, you realize how good these songs are because they're slamming. He actually performed this at the Academy Awards, too. I thought that was pretty awesome. What, what was he performing so the for the Russell. Academy Awards for? Who do you guys think did it better? There's only one answer. Oh, I think Beck did. Yeah. That's easy. Beck did it better. That song is 100 times better by Beck. Yep. That was so no good. Doubt. I love that. Easy. Good job, Bob Dylan, picking, it, picking an artist to play his song. Can you imagine doing that? Can we imagine picking four other people to do this podcast? Well, I was hoping the other, the other, yeah, everybody example, just said yes. They all nodded. I was like, oh, the, no. the other name for our podcast was going to be Rex and Effect did it better. And I'm really <laughs> glad because I was not aware of any Rex and Effect covers of Bob Dylan or any songs. <laughs> Is that the first straight up cover we've done? Is that the first straight up Beck cover that we've had on one, an album on the top? I think so. Yeah, I think I so. so. 500. Far, yeah. I don't think he's had another straight up cover. Uh, all right. Just like a woman. Just like a woman. I've been singing this one all day. Yes, you do. She makes love. End of side two. We're halfway like through. Yes, you 
Like, I think this song might suck, but I love it. I don't know what that says about my taste in music. What? No, this song is great. It doesn't suck. It seems like a Billy Joel song to me. I don't know why. I also love Billy Joel, so... I, I actually like took a little inspiration for this. As you guys know, I try to pair my drinks with the album. And so this time, instead of doing wine tonight, I decided to do two types of beers. Fulton Lonely Blonde. Oh, no. And because it's blonde on blonde, I have to have a second blonde. I got to I gotta pile yeah, them on top it, of each other. Seems right. And the second one is called Belching Beaver Miso Horny Blonde. <laughs> you weren't going to say that for was- a two live crew episode? Those two blondes seem like they should find one another. I mean, it just seemed like one of them's got what the other one needs. So these were the these were the two blonde beers that I thought were most just like a woman. Russ, as you know, for a lot of these as episodes, I've been trying to pair my bar type desserts, and I picked two <laughs> blondies. So this is I've got a blondie on blondie here that I'm eating right now. It's quite delicious. Does that belching beaver have like a demonic satanic? Uh, label they they seem to really get into the artwork. No, on I'm sure it has a normal label like most small label <laughs> beers that are not at all these weird ass labels. Yeah. It's definitely a demonic looking exactly. Beaver. It's not, I'm sure it's not four white dudes with nothing better to do with their time sitting around no. thinking up a weird label no for way. their beer. All right, most likely you go your way. Parentheses and I'll go mine. Like, is it just me or is this the loudest song on the album? This one seems loud. This is like, crank it up. This one. I couldn't tell you. If you would have played this clip for me and said, is this song on the album? I wouldn't be able to say yes or no. There is a point where it gets confusing between the songs on this album and the ones on Highway 61. Like, it's sometimes hard to remember which is on which. They sound so similar to me. It's so wild. Matt, how do you how do you compare this when you're listening to this one versus Highway 61? Like, do you hear a difference or do you like this one compared to Highway 61? Or what jumps out to you as being similar or different? I, I feel like this one's much more musical. I think they've got a, the, the bands behind it. I think he's moving away from the solo act. This is the third of his electronic uh Move to electronic. It's kind of like the trilogy, right? Yeah. And I think he's getting better as he goes. And so for me personally, I think this just plays musically a lot better. I don't know if the lyrics are better. I think, I think everything that way is good, but I just, I, I feel like this one to use uh, Aaron's vernacular moves me a little bit. It speaks to me a little more just from the musicality standpoint. Mm. Do you think, and first of all, I have to say, I, I came into this record not especially liking this album, but now listening to you guys and hearing the songs, once again, my tiny, feeble brain has been swayed, and I think I really like this album now. Okay, another surprise, the ninth greatest album of all time is pretty good, according pretty to Rob. Good. I'll tell you, you know, what what really got me, I'm, I'm up in the 200s of the, the list, and Bob Dylan's Modern Times, which came out in 2006, um, is number 204 and he wow. sings horribly. He cannot sing any longer, but he still has got the lyrics and the musicality on that is unbelievable. And I think that kind of opened me up to, you know, maybe that he's a, a little bit more than just the hippie singing about uh, anti-war stuff. Um, you know, so I think I should probably go back and listen to highway 61 again, but you know, his later stuff, when we get into it, I think you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised how bad, 
he's his singing is, but how good the songs are. If that I told sense. you, I was I was a huge fan of Time Out of Mind, which came out I think after Modern Times. Uh, no, it would have been before Modern Times. I forgot how old I am. No, Time Out of Mind was from uh, the late nineties. Uh, I have something to say about Bob Dylan's voice, uh, and you guys aren't really going to enjoy this. But uh, we talked about this uh, when we the talked about one? how we... Don't, yeah, I'm sorry. Don't build it up too I much, Aaron. I should have saved it. We talked about this on Highway 61. Um, you know, we talked about Dylan's voice. And the thing that dawned on me is um, there was a uh, teacher of uh, singing and uh, performing in the Twin Cities and, and nationally uh, who wrote a lot of great books called Wesley Balk. And so Wesley Balk wrote a lot about how performers can influence... Uh, their audiences and and what the the spectrum of sounds that a human voice can make and so there's a spectrum that goes from oops only one perfect sound to ubu ugly but useful and when you hear Bob Dylan you realize that he's using sounds in a really useful way and they're not always pretty but they work and that's the great thing about Bob Dylan's voice so maybe he hangs out on the ugly but useful end of the scale but it works Russell uh, you should I wish more women on Bumble would realize that I was an ubu, like ugly but useful. <laughs> I didn't know how to say the joke without sounding incredibly cruel, so I'm glad you said something because then I can just edit my part out. You know, God, I was thing, trying so hard not to say that. Go ahead, Russell. That's super interesting. You know, one thing you guys mentioned earlier. I'm going to take a chance at something here, and if this fails miserably, we can cut it as always. What you guys mentioned, like Bob Dylan's really great at rhyming. Did I ever tell you guys I once set up one of my online dating profiles with a poem? Oh. Um, no, but oh. I hope you're going to read it aloud. Please. I will read it aloud, but again, I get dele- I get it deleted if I want to. I'm here for this. I'm here for all of this. I promise I will delete it. Okay. there's. I've got this program figured out. I know I've screwed up the last couple times I've said that, but I swear to God, I read the manual. I think I'm set. Right. So here's the deal. So sometimes with these online dating profiles, you feel like you have to change it up. I, I can only make myself look so good in pictures, so I got to try to change up the writing so you can be just genuine and explain who you are what you're looking for you can try to be off the wall and try to catch someone's attention i figured i would write a poem about myself and see if it would jump out to women which it has not really occurred but i'll run it by you guys and see what you think all right i'm obviously going to want to date you you already know that so i don't know if i'm the right person to be I bet you could say anything and it would fit in with a lot of these songs. We could make this poem into a Bob Dylan song. Let's hear it. Rob, if you want to take this and make a Bob Dylan song oh, afterwards, God. I would, I would, I'll give you copyright. Permission All right. To do just, so. just tweet it over to Beck did it better. Rob will get it off the Twitter. Page. Yes. Perfect. Well, because I can't understand Bob Dylan's lyrics. I instead decided to pirate Dr. Seuss's lyrics on this, the introduction of who I am. Wow. We are off to a great start. Here we go. I'm, I'm here for right. it. Here for it. Here we go. And if it gets long, you guys just stop me. But the end oh, is Rob's got all the time. Good. I've got the rest of my life. I don't care about my kids anymore. All I care about is this. Let's go. <laughs> hey. I do like green eggs and ham. Not sure where that makes me fit on that thing, the Enneagram. I will eat green eggs and ham at vacations on the lake. Now I eat them at my house because of the fucking COVID outbreak. <laughs> And I will eat them on my quest to visit every pro baseball park or while binging Netflix. What's up with that show, Ozark? Oh, man, Russell. And I will eat them while exploring sites of bygone history. You know, Carol Baskin fed her husband to the Tigers. That ain't no mystery. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to eat them while exploring local hiking venues or while singing Disney songs with my nieces and my nephews. 
Oh my God. It's gold. That's, That's the gold. best line so far. Oh. Yeah. And I will eat them while practicing my profession as a lawyer or while playing you in Battleship. I dare you come sink my destroyer. Yes. Oh man. You, you guys like this one. The destroyer. And I will eat them with my friends <laughs> on annual trips to Vegas. No, it'd be a battleship. You got to say it's a battleship. And I will eat them with Star Wars light up chopsticks. Yes, I'm somewhat shameless. Yes. My God. And I like to eat them while reading books on U.S. presidents or while cheering wildly at local sporting events. Jesus. And I would like to eat them while conversing of our adventures and favorite shows. We could do it over beer or wine. What's your jam? IPAs or French Bordeaux? Oh. <laughs> that ends with an X, too. So that's extra credit because they have to know how to pronounce it to get the rhyme. And here comes. Here's the final part where I here's where I try to set the hook. Okay, okay, well, I hope that's not in the poem, but okay. <laughs> and I would like to eat them with someone who pursues her passions and is thoughtful. We could do it over Zoom or meet in person when it's lawful. Oh, yes. my God. Russell, here we are. I'm dating you again. This is what happens. This is fantastic. Wait, are, so is, are you not using that anymore? You're going to try to bury your battleship. No, I, use, I have that on one yeah. of the apps, yes. <laughs> the problem I, I, is I'm an ubu. I'm an ugly but functional, and most women can't get to the functional part. That's it's a, it's a, a, you got to not have that on your on your profile for sure. I, I think uh, that came off as kind of a horny Shell Silverstein, which I really like. I think that was really good. <laughs> Which and I best, did just get favorite. an email to the back to the better at gmail.com and it's from Bob Dylan and it says, I suck shit. Russ is really good. So I think that's a good sign. <laughs> it seems like you've, you've nailed it. The word is out. Yeah. The many times you've heard Bob Dylan say the famous phrase, I suck shit. All right. The that's classic. Was when, when I wrote it the first time I was playing a trombone the whole time. So in the background, I was like, do, 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 do. That's the only problem with trombone is that there's no famous trombone songs that aren't just. Wah, 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 wah. I'd be like, my mom would be like, you practice that trombone. I'd be like, okay. I'd just be outside going, wah, 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 wah. Because I thought, okay. Not very, my mom's like, there's something wrong with that child. I was like, mom, listen to this. Wah, 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 wah. She's like, yes, sweetie. Very good. Okay. All right. Temporary like Achilles. By the way, no versions of the song on YouTube anywhere. All covers. I wonder why I listened to it. Standing on your I think the piano saves this one. Like they just that like I th- that's what I don't get is his voice. He can make his voice sound so good and so like pleasurable. And then there's some songs where you just almost choose not to as as like a artistic choice, but that God is so I love it. All right, so again we've run out of things to say with a double album. We're just like, yep, it's all it sounds the same. All right. Well, you were proving Bye. my point. I didn't want to hammer the point home, but it, he he he's using his voice in a in a purposeful way. Yeah, he's an o- oboe. Wait, what'd you say? He's a <laughs> he's oops. Only he's one a, perfect sound. It's that's not really right. him. An ubu would be useful. Song is about a spurned lover whose ex is taken up with a new boyfriend. How would you guys react? Would you write a song with the trombone or whatever? Or how would you react, Rob, if your ex lover had taken up with a new boyfriend? Celebrate that. No, no <laughs> use sitting around. No use sitting around uh, crying Rob, about it. Rob, Write a song not, about it. Rob, do not edit this part of the podcast in front of your family this week. Do not do it. Don't use this for sound cues. I, I don't. I, 
would, would that make you really mad? I guess if you got dumped and they start dating somebody else, right? But I don't know. I've just, I've been out of it so long, Russell. Like I can't even picture what having an ex would be like. Rob just always drives his car fast, regardless, good or bad. He's just going to oh drive God, real we're fast. back on that. <laughs> That's it. Guys, I was like 15. That is so not fair. That's like, I got to scrub that from the internet. <laughs> oh my God. I haven't thought about that in weeks. You made me think about it again. I cringe all over the place. I'm such a baby when I got dumped and I just got so dumped and I couldn't even blame her. I was like, yeah, I don't get it either. I didn't get why you <laughs> dated me in the first dumped, place. I said, Hey, when I reread this poem, I put on my profile. I'm going to read it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So once again, it does seem like everybody's making fun of me. Uh, absolutely. Sweet Marie. On my okay, Russell, send me a timestamp, and now I know what it was for. I love, this is the voice I love of his. I just cannot get enough of it. It's kind of like listening to the rock sing in Moana, right? That was an awesome song. Oh, it's like when the rock sings in Moana and it's not really singing. It's like kind of half singing. Like that's what that sounds like to me. It sounds great. My question is, do you think, yeah. Do you think I could write lyrics for Bob Dylan? He sings it in a song and it would sound as good. Yeah. Well, thank you for believing to me, Russell. Thank you, Aaron. (laughs) You're my true friend. That was a friendship test, by the way. (laughs) I failed. If I sent him my dating profile, would he sing it pro bono for me? Oh my God. Well, you know, they might be giants, my favorite band. If you're in their fan club, you could pay them 500 bucks and they would sing your ringtone with your name on it. They would compose, it, right? they would compose a brand new song and sing you it. You did it, right? I, I tried to, and they already were sold out by the time I got there. I would pay 500 bucks for that in two seconds. I always thought that was the coolest thing in the world. They'd be like, Rob, your phone's ringing. Wait a minute. Can I do this? <laughs> I should be charging money. Okay. Just let everybody know. I did set up a Patreon where I will sing your phone ringer. Uh, and just tell me your name and then I'll say that your phone is ringing. You guys can hop in here and help me out at any time for any of these jokes that are bombing. Feel free to hop in and just help me along and say well, something. Well, and- Matt is literally on his phone right now. So he's either not laughing at your jokes or he's trying to call into your new, your legitimately. Somebody just asked me, what's the back line number? Yeah. Well, so I'm, trying to, at your I'm trying to get it. Bat. I'm Matt, trying Matt's to get it social, over there. Matt's our social media guy. Matt's got a good idea. Matt's idea is that the more people that call the Beck line, the more people are going to listen to it because they're going to want to hear themselves on the podcast. They hear themselves in the That's why line, I, right. I always put the voicemails up front. If you guys notice, because I'm like, if we put it at the end, the person is not going to listen to the, they, through this to hear themselves on the podcast. My brother is the only one listening to the entire episode. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I put him up front just, too. It would save me a lot of time and money if I could go out on dates with Matt and he would ignore me and play on his phone <laughs> like my normal dates do. And at least we could split the bill and it wouldn't be such like a financial burden on me. Hey, Russ's date. Hey, you Candy Crush? What level are you on? (laughs) (laughs) There's this guy's got an awesome poem on his profile. Oh, that was you. Oh, (laughs) fourth time around. This is a. They think this is a response to John Lennon singing Norwegian Wood in a Dylan-like way, and then Dylan is now impersonating John Lennon singing Bob Dylan. Norwegian Wood was one of your top five Beatles songs ever, Rob. Listen. I, I stand by that, by the way. And I also got somebody posted on Twitter that I was right. So think about it. Was it was it someone else who likes going out on dates and burning down hotel rooms as part of it or not? Yeah, that was their favorite part. They're like, I love the part. Being obsessed with somebody and burn down their place. Left eye style. 
So if you listen, it's in three, four times. Does it sound like Norwegian wood count? Just listen. Yeah, it definitely does. You can hear it. Let's play this. I mean, it's pretty darn close. They're very similar. Very cool. Oh, a song that sounds like Norwegian wood is a good song. Hmm, Who would have thunk it? Maybe me. Thank you. Okay. I got this tattoo says Norwegian wood, top five Beatles songs of all time. Had a lot of explaining to do with the tattoo parlor. I'll never regret that. I told them I had a podcast and they said, oh, sounds cool. Uh, Did not ask me the title was the joke of that. And thanks again, guys, for leaving me hanging there. All right. Bob Dylan, fourth time around. This sounds like a parody of a Bob Dylan song from this period to me, which obviously Tim doing his own songs, but this feels like the one that got shoved in there so they could make it a double album. Like, well, we got to include like a few. It almost makes it sound like he didn't write it because one thing that's weird is that he's repeating the lyrics in that song. You don't hear that a lot with Bob Dylan where he's saying the same line over and over. He doesn't say, oh, baby, 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 like 10 times in a row. Yeah, this one's like, like, like filler to me. It's like my my poet stylings. I don't repeat any words. No, Russell doesn't. Re- not even a syllable. Nothing's the same. No. Sad-eyed lady. This song might be longer than our last podcast, like the entire length. And we've had some long podcasts. And we're gonna listen to this whole song. It's only eleven minutes. But if you do listen to this with the band thing, and it was gonna be a three-minute song, it's a very interesting listen. That being said, I listened to this song once. I heard this was supposed to be like a wedding song, but there's no way anyone would go for to marry someone after they write like a 12 minute song for them, right? They like were already from- married, so okay, all right, you got it, Matt. Dylan Dylan came out when he wrote this and said, "This is the best song I've ever written." So I'm telling you guys, I love doing this journey because I this album when I listened to it, I just didn't understand why it was so popular. I really didn't like it, and now talking to you guys, I think it's uh, I think it's good. I've really I've enjoyed listening to it in clips i don't know maybe maybe i have my harmonica setting on my earbuds too loud it's piercing my brain gotta be a top nine album of all time now that we t- now that we've talked about it oh wait don't you have a system for this rob like it's time out. for five 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 final rating so we have three ratings we have <laughs> where is it on the list this is number nine all time our second bob dylan album that we've uh each one more each episode more exciting than the last if i recall uh, roll this. The rating for this one is Rolling Well Toned, Rolling Boned, which means that it's got bone on the list. It's too low. It should be higher, which in this case is a lower number. Uh, or is Rolling Grown? I think this album is too high uh, on the list and it should be lower. I don't like it. So, Matt, what do you think? Rolling Well Toned, Rolling, rolling Boned? Like the, the weeds that are growing out of my roof, Rolling Grown. Rolling Grown. They're too high. Rolling Moan. Okay, all right. And and that is uh, the mowing the lawn, not... Uh, <laughs> I think I got to... It's hard to step away from what your personal tastes are and what the list is and what the list means, and we'll all have our own take on it. I mean, I think it's a rolling well-toned. I mean, this album was made in 1966. You know, there's still... I, I think we still had a couple of years of, uh, like, plays on Broadway were winning the, the best albums and stuff like that. That's a great point. I mean, this, this album, the musicality, uh, you know, getting away from kind of the radio type songs, um, being lyrical, being, uh, trying to find an actual sound in the, in the studio, as opposed to just trying to hammer out a bunch of songs. 
Um, I think it's, it's a great album. Uh, you know, personally, I mean, would it be in my top 10 of all time? No, but you know, for, to be sitting in as a top 10 album, uh, it's, it's hard to say, but it's, I'm just going to go with well, rolling well toned that it's, uh, it deserves the, the accolades it's got. Uh, Russ, what do you think? Rolling well toned, rolling grown or rolling bone? I understand that this is kind of considered, uh, literary achievement of sorts in music. But when I listen to it, I don't really understand what any of the lyrics are about. And honestly, Rob, when you played the clips, if you just played 30 second clips of this, I would love this album. But when I listened to it, I had to turn it off numerous times because of the harmonica. To me, the harmonica on this is so unappealing. It's the most unappealing sound that we've heard so far from my perspective. And to me, it's the first album I've listened to that I don't think it belongs anywhere near my top 10. And this would not, Matt and I are both about the 200 mark. There's 50 to 100 albums I would rather listen to than this one. And most of that is because I can't handle the harmonica. So I'm going to say Rolling Grown. Yes. Of yes, course. Rolling I grown. don't have to explain that. I'm going to edit out the pause there. We're not going to have a five minute pause where I have to think about my own grading system. Uh, Rosie, what do you think? Rolling well toned, rolling bone, or rolling grown for yeah, blonde it, on blonde? I'm with Matt. The Bob um, Dylan album from wait, what was that? 1966. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, did my sound cut out? What happened? Go ahead, Rosie. I'm with Matt. Um, personally, there are some songs on here that I really love: uh, "Visions of Johanna" and "I Want You." Uh, Stuck inside a mobile, I think are songs that I love, but I will probably never to never choose to put this album on again, uh, start to finish in my life. Uh, there's it's just it's far more uneven, I think, than um, Highway 61 and, and other albums that we've listened to. Uh, there are some real clunkers in here to me, pledging my time being one of them. Um, so I'm going to say Rolling Grown um, because, yeah, I just think I think the, the highs are really high, but the lows are just a little bit too low for me. The correct answer, of course, for this album is that it is Rolling Trombone. Listen to that right there. Oh, my God. You cannot imagine how happy I was when I went to Rhyme.com and I saw that trombone rhymes with a stone. And I was like, nailed it. Got it. You would be surprised with how much of my brain power goes into trying to rhyme that. But it is a rolling. It is an obvious rolling trombone. This has been the easiest grade that we've ever done. Uh, we have number 10 coming up next week. It is the White Album by the Beatles. And then the week after that, we've got a little special treat for everybody. We're going to take a little break, talk about the albums. And we're going to kind of twist and blow your minds. And that is uh, two weeks away. So get ready for that. It's very exciting. This has been Beck Did It Better. And I'm going to find that correct button. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. But you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear from guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. All right, real quick, I'm going to check back in with Rupert, see what he's up to. Ah, yes, he is still still going with that note. He's getting his money's worth out of that thing. His data bill is going to be high this month. Yeah. <laughs> I should I should pay Rupert just to sit at the table next to me on my next date and just play that. And at least the girl will look at me like, well, at least I'm not on the date with that. Date. <laughs>